Well, hello there, and welcome to another Weekend Update. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Happy Saturday to you. Well, interesting day. We lost Diane Feinstein yesterday. Yeah, yeah, she was in her early 90s. What was it, 91 years old, I think? I could be off by a year or two, but uh, she had been in the Senate forever and had a storied career. I didn't agree with 99 and 4400 percent of what she stood behind, but that's just me, you know. And now there's uh, already talk about, you know, they were talking about getting rid of Menendez. I think Menendez should resign. Even Fetterman. Oh, yeah, he came out and said, oh, it'd be no loss. And I, But see, I thought, are they trying to clean house to put other people in or appoint people? Well, all I can tell you now is the calls for the removal of Menendez are going to stop because they lose Menendez and they've lost the majority in the Senate and the Republicans will be dancing in the streets. So trust me, you won't hear Fetterman or anyone else say, I think that uh, Menendez should resign. They're going to they're going to keep that down now because they don't want to they don't want to fall into that uh, that position, well, you know. Within five minutes after uh, the uh, the story broke that she died, I got uh, an email from, and I don't know how I got an email list because I am not a Democrat and I hate Adam Schiff. But I, you know, his, you know, his little your uh, buddies. Be honest, Bill. Your buddies with Adam Schiff. <laughs> you know, you and he didn't brother. you and he go to different schools together? We did. <laughs> we grew up in California, not a, anywhere near each other. We we didn't know each other in California. Yes. We went to different schools. You were tight. Yes. And we voted for different parties of and course. had different types of lives. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I guess the one commonality is he was a big brother and his, uh, his uh, little brother, adopted brother, is, uh, you know, out there offended for him. I, on the other hand, have ne- never been a big brother. Thought about it, but I never did that, so... So anyway, was, you think that Adam Schiff daddy. was trying to get money from you uh, to, uh, well, to support his Well, that's what it was. He goes, yeah, it was really sad. I mean, within five minutes, he had a press release about her death. And, oh, by the way, I'm running for Senate. And I'm like going, well, there you go. You don't have to run now. They can just plug you right into well, the job not, in California. Yeah, but, you know, uh, Gavin Newsom, who uh, is the – he's if you look for the definition of politically uh, correct – you know, pol- politically motivated, not politically correct. Uh, you would see uh, his picture because everything he does is through the lens of politics. It's just yeah. the way Gavin Newsom is. I mean, I think I told you at the Republican debate last week, he was there. He yeah, was at the debate. This is a guy who's uh, a leading Democrat. Well, he announced he was going to be there. He yeah, said it, he was going to be there so a week ahead of him. He's time. strolling around the uh, the, the Republican debate uh, spin room afterwards, and I'm thinking, God, what the heck is he doing there? But he's already said that he's going to nominate. He did, I don't think he said it recently, but I think he said it recently on uh, on, M- on uh, Meet the Press. But he didn't say it with regard after she died. You know what I'm saying? It's not something he said within the last day or so. It's something he said within the last couple of weeks. He so said that he's going to he's going to nominate a, a a black woman. You know, and I, God, you know, here's a name that I heard yesterday, so help me. What would you think of Senator Oprah Winfrey? Well, she lives out there, and yeah. It, uh, but, you know. That's a step down, isn't it? <laughs> she's a billionaire. Well, you know what? Well, she's a billionaire. And, you know, it's funny because, um, well, it's not funny. I don't think Oprah would be the one at all. She's the yeah. one, you know, introduced Obama to us, and we saw where, where that got us. Yep. And, you know, there's a, a political name that uh, could be appointed to something. Now, if you're going, well, what about the line of succession? He could never be the president again unless you change the Constitution. And then, but, you know, if they change that, that means Republicans could get in the line of succession, too, if you've had a two-term president. But what do you think if, um, what, what do you think of uh, Senator, Senator Camilla Harris? Because there's, you know, there's I, talk. I think she's baggage, though. I think she's baggage well, to the party. Well, here's the thing. Here's the speculation. There's a lot. Of, one thing that's out there right now, because it's free, is speculation. But one mm-hmm. people are saying, look, 
they're going to approach Carmela. They're going to say, look at Carmela, you're not going to be president. No one wants you to be president. Even if you were to replace Joe for a short period of time, no one is going to nominate you or support you for a reelection as president. You just don't have it. Okay, but we can get you back into a solid senatorial seat so you can have a say in government and power for decades to come. Look what happened to Diane Feinstein. Yeah, so you take Carmela, you make her the senator, she leaves the vice presidency, and then Gavin Newsom gets made the vice president. So who is the guy who's now in the line of succession? It's Gavin Newsom. yeah, and uh, Diane Feinstein, the, the the cause of death came out within an hour of her death. It was a dementia-related moment. Now, what what that does that means, mean? <laughs> uh, she forgot where the stairs were. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I uh, forgot how to breathe. I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, now you can get into all kinds of conspiracy things, but the fact that they were so quick with the reasoning, yep. the fact that they were so quick with this and that and this and that, I think. There's some shuffling going on in the Democratic Party, and I don't think that uh, somebody's value in life, uh, I'm not going to argue whether she's done well or did bad. And, and you know, I, I think she came into the limelight when uh, the mayor of San Francisco and uh, the, the assistant with him were gunned down and killed. I think I, she's the one I have actually story. forgotten it's been so long, but she's she broke been... that story. She's the one that announced it to the world, and that's what... She became, and then she became mayor. Yeah. Of yeah, she took the role, and then that's where she kind of zoomed forward uh, with, with with her career. Now, I do find it interesting. Her net uh, worth when she died was oh. sixty five million dollars. Now, <laughs> I only say that because uh, there was a story of the richest leaders in the world. Now, the top six are all Asians. Go imagine that. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is Trudeau from Canada. Mm-hmm. He's got a reported $5 million of wealth. And actually, this is going up, you know, uh, actually the bottom of the list going up. But number seven on the list is uh, Mr. Biden. And uh, they got him ranked in there at 7 or $8 million. But they're, they're like going, they're go- looking at the numbers on him. And they're going, well, that can't be because if that's all he's worth, uh, you know, he made eight million one year, and then these, this is all years that he was vice yeah. president. He made eight million dollars, nine million dollars, eleven million dollars. You know, um, I mean, no, no, it, 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 that 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 uh, list is not accurate. I mean, that's you know. Well, he, they're saying, well, maybe he spent the money or Feinstein. He gave it to Feinstein, him. though, Bill is her. Her income uh, was made while she was senator. Yeah, you know how does a senator who makes two hundred thousand a year—I'm rounding it off—two hundred thousand a year end up uh, becoming a multi-multi-millionaire? Well, you know, good stock investments because you have insider knowledge, and then you know you take two hundred thousand, going well. You know, you pay your mortgage and all of this stuff, but. Do they get housing allowances? They get yeah, food allowances, gas do. allowances. So technically, if the cat were out of the bag, they live for free and they get the two hundred grand. So they they have no cost. So if she squirreled that money away for forty years. You know what a else she did? Jungle. In uh, nineteen ninety two, she hired uh, a driver who yeah. was Chinese. And come to find out, was a Chinese spy. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's not just bad that she hired a Chinese spy, but she kept him under her employ for thirteen years. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was twenty years. I've heard both figures thrown around. But whatever it was, she had, and she was also on the intelligence committee. Okay, so here you have a driver, her driver, driving her everywhere around town. Of course, she has a phone. She's probably talking to all of her contacts all over the all over the city about topics that she probably shouldn't have been talking about. And she's got a Chinese spy driving her around, chauffeuring yeah. her. I mean, well, that's that, and no one talks about it. It's like, oh, it's well, okay. We're playing a game of political monopoly, and you know, never take your eye off the board when you play. 
a deceitful friend monopoly because their pieces tend to move. Things that they've lost, they tend to gain back. When you happen to turn away, huh, dear, what would you say back there? And then all of a sudden you're going, well, I don't remember that. You know, well, the Democrats are doing the same thing, I believe. You know, they, they have a problem in the White House. Joe, they have a problem in the White House. Carmela. You know, and, and the list goes right on down the line. Menendez, you know, so they're going down the line. So they're going, you know, it's going to be hard to steal this election and say that we won it legitimately unless we bing, kick off a few players and bing, yeah. get some new well, players in different places. I think, you know, while we're not looking, they're shuffling around the pieces on the board. You know, Bill, that's an interesting thing that you should say that because it leads into the next piece of audio I have. Uh-oh. Uh, well, I didn't know. We didn't rehearse this. No, by the way. I know. So sometimes but it, when I come up with stuff and you bring that, this, you know, I just happen to have a story here. Well, like, we are on the same page. Uh, a major announcement from the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah. Uh, campaign yesterday. Speaking of shuffling around Democratic uh, monopoly pieces, I mean, this is amazing. This is a guy who's from the family that is the first family of Democratic politics for the last 50 years, but. He has to leave the party to continue his race because they've turned, the Democratic Party has turned their back on the Kennedys. Listen to this. Buddy, I'm going to be in Philadelphia on October 9th to make a major announcement at the very birthplace of our nation. I'm not going to tell you right now exactly what that announcement will be. I can say, though, that if you've been waiting to come to one of my public events, this will be the one to come to. I'll be speaking about a sea change in American politics and what your part and my part is in that change. A lot of Americans who had previously given up any hope that real change would ever come through the American electoral process have begun to find new hope in my candidacy. And I understand the deeply felt concern that people have about the way corruption has overtaken our government. It's in the executive branch, it's in Congress, it's in the leadership of both political parties. And so some people feel a kind of cynicism alongside the hope, or they lose hope entirely because they've been disappointed so many times. I want to tell you now what I've come to understand after six months of campaigning. There is a path to victory. The hope we are feeling isn't some kind of trick of the mind. We all recognize that there's a genuine possibility of national transformation and its source is the goodness of the American people. Our government may be crooked, but our people are kind, brave, and caring. That goodness is stronger than the divisions that are keeping us all apart. I see it every day on the campaign trail, and the more I see it, the more I trust it. And the more I trust it, the more the path to victory becomes visible. So how are we going to win against the established Washington interests? It's not through playing the game by the corrupt rules that the corrupt powers and the vested interests have rigged to keep us all in their thrall. Instead, we're going to have to rewrite the assumptions and change the habits of American politics. We're going to tap into a mighty surge of people power to reclaim an honest, peaceful, just, and prosperous America. So I am inviting you to join me in Philadelphia on October 9th. There I'll share with you our path to the White House and how we can all participate in healing our nation. What's interesting is when he was speaking, he talked about corruption in both parties. And when he said both parties, they showed a picture of, uh, I think it was a Democrat who, was it Biden? Maybe maybe it was Biden. But when they showed the Republican corruption, they didn't show Trump. They showed Mitch McConnell, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, my, my a couple of observations. Number one, it felt good to hear him. I mean, I, I like the guy. I mean, I want Trump back, but I wouldn't mind seeing him somewhere in this or them two together. Mm-hmm. And it was very Trump-esque with the music and his positive attitude of what he was doing. It's right. When they make those speeches, they're powerful. But my question is, is his announcement five days too late, or is it just in time because of the October 4th looming date which is the day before my birthday, suck, whatever. Uh, I, you know, I'm, uh, are you, are you talking about the uh, 
the 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 emergency broadcast on October fourth. Right, they say something is going to happen on that date. Yeah, you know. You, and, and I saw uh, an interesting video. I sent a copy of that video to you too, and I don't have the audio, hmm. but it. Well, I sent one uh, video to you too, but it was more comedic than anything. But else. what you sent to me, the audio was running at uh, like s- slow speed. I couldn't understand oh. what the audio was. Whatever you sent back to me was. Uh, I couldn't tell what it was saying, so um, I'll send it from my phone. There, it was a link, so I'll send you the actual okay. video. But but it's what's a... interesting about the video that I sent to you was that, and I wonder if I can play the video. I wonder if I have it here in my sweat. You know, I, I. Well, let me tell you a couple of things that are going down while you're getting that thing ready. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, well, let's go to the uh, the the looming shutdown of the government. Right. You know, Omar came out and offered. Uh, uh, Kevin, a, a, uh, a way out. So the Democrats will come to your rescue. We don't like you. We think you suck, but we'll come to your rescue, you know, and bail you out. If you give us 50, 50 equal footing in the Congress. In other words, they want to, they want to have an, they want to have an even say that's the deal with the Democrats that they're putting to McCarthy to maintain, you know, the Republicans booting his butt out. I'm going, that's a no deal. I would get, I'd let my ass be kicked out before I'd let them sit there and have 50-50 footing. They, they lost. And if the Republicans give that up or he gives that up, you can kiss the House goodbye come 2024. Uh, We mentioned yesterday he wanted to, uh, one of the suggestions was he wanted to have the Biden administration guaranteed the border would uh, be closed for at least one year and in we would give the Biden administration six billion dollars for the Ukraine, which well, I now which it's up I to sixteen billion was it sixteen? You I I thought it was six. Well, six billion, but now there's a number that's floating out there that they're the Democrats are really looking really? for sixteen billion. I that I saw that last night. And I'm going, don't know where I saw it. I was going, I'm going to bed, you know, and I didn't see it this morning. But they are looking for an extra ten billion dollars. Where in the hell is this money going? Why do we need to be involved with it? Bill, I, I think I have the audio that I was t- uh, talking right. about. Uh, it's a lady who I believe is a doctor, and she's talking about uh, what she believes is really going to happen uh, on October 4th. Let's see whether All I right. get this to play. Now, lastly, I'm just going to bring up something that I put on Telegram. Now, I've been talking about optogenetics, and maybe I'll come and talk about that sometime. But optogenetics is the is well it's being it's a hot topic in modern research and they claim they've never mm-hmm. done it on humans but I cite the Travis Scott concert which I think is an optogenetic hit. Basically, what they do is they can make a chemical called an opsin and they can hybridize these opsins to do certain things. They can make them very specific and they can put them in you and then they can beam a wavelength on it and it will cause things to happen. Okay, that's a very brief study, but they can do it with very, very um, precise spatial temporal precision, they call it. Very precise way. So they can start and stop, stop cardiac arrhythmias, for example. That's what I think happened at the Travis Scott concert. They were all vaccinated young people. They walked through, through uh, uh, strobe lights and then they went into the music where there's all this wavelength. And it tends to be a lower frequency wavelengths that are used to activate these things. And something happened and about 14 people dropped and one person that survived it that didn't just die he said it felt like when i was standing there my heart just stopped and that's what you would see in this kind of a hit but in any case they're talking about october 4th an event and this is uh i don't you know uh there's a group called tls i think it's the light system it stands for and these are people that Mm -hmm. claim that they have infiltrated the the whatever we want. I call them the, the Babylonian mafia, but the, the big guys, the big elite in the world that are, that are running this show and that they're trying to, through various techniques, turn the tide by getting them to do things in different ways and, and stopping things. Well, they're the ones that put this, this out through an intermediary. They said, you need to get this word out. And this is a, a guy on the internet and he said so he's just saying he put it out he's like there's a new thing that came out today i'll put that up but he said that on october 4th at 2 22 p.m they're going to do a, a theoretical test of the emergency broadcast system now we've been hearing this for a while so that part i can believe 
And then they said, but what's really going to happen is they're going to blast this wavelength and it's going to do something. They don't know, but they're concerned that it's going to do something bad. Now, I will say that in addition to optogenetics and the Travis Scott concert and all the things I've looked at, it's my opinion that while they've been waving their hand about mRNA and trying to distract us over here, this is the kind of thing they've really been doing. And that this is very easy to do and cheaper relative than all that fancy uh, genetic manipulation to do mRNA technology. So I got to say, I think there's some some juice behind this. And for me, and, and, and I will say this, look at all the, the Chinese people that were, uh, there were several of these that you saw, and they were looking at their phone, and then they the flash, you could see it flash on their face, and then they just slumped over in their chair. I, you know, we didn't have any follow-up on that. So who knows? And it, you know, we never, it's hard to know what PSYOP, but that's consistent. Again, these things, you can't just take one data point, but this looks consistent across the, the, the spectrum. We had it happen in Israel, in South Korea. Um, so uh, personally, I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to take October 4th and I'm going to take the afternoon off and I'm just going to not be around any electronics. I'm going to shut down my house grid and put my phone into a Faraday cage. I didn't say to do that before, but that's probably a good idea uh, because they can activate it remotely whether you turn it off or not, unless you take the battery out. So I personally am going to do that. And um, and then if it doesn't happen, they say the backup's on October the 11th, and I'll do it again then. And, and the worst case scenario, they're going to produce a zombie apocalypse. You know, think the Hutus and the Tutsis. I mean, they're going to create some behavioral change in people that took this vaccine or somehow have this microtech in their body. That would be the worst case scenario. And the best case scenario is nothing happens and we all get a nice day away from our electronics to uh, commune with our families and nature. I, I think that's that's what I'm hoping for. So anyway, that's October 4th and October 11th. I would take it seriously. I would, I would... It's, it's cheap and easy to do. Now, the problem is if you're at certain work and you're certain jobs, and I don't know what to tell you, but I think the, the best thing you can do is try and be away of your cell phone. The, the, who knows what else? TVs may do it, um, but, you know, if you're a policeman, you're on duty, and you've got, you've got to be on the radio, it's probably not going to be the radio, but I don't know. You know, you, probably, you guys probably know more about that than I do. Wow. Uh, I don't know who that lady is, to be honest with you. I, I think uh, it was told to me that she's a, a, a scientist by by trade a, or a doctor by trade. Uh, but uh, what she says uh, is very interesting because I've actually heard of that kind of uh, uh, ability to be, to be able to manipulate through light. Do, you know, I mean, for example, if you're an epileptic, I think if you have a uh, I'm sorry, Bill. Like the flashing, yeah, yeah. Flashing uh, Can you say that again, Bill? Because I had your mic down. Go ahead. Uh, oh yeah, I was going to say yeah. That's why I was waving my hand while that thing was playing. Yeah, is uh, the the epileptic thing because if you've ever seen somebody with a seizure, somebody or knew somebody that had it, the flashing red lights can do that. So this is yeah. something they've known. I mean, you've got subliminal programming, you got simulconsciencing, you got sound wave frequencies, but these are light frequencies, but. You're going, oh, well, I'll stay away from red lights. Let me tell you something. The spectrum, you know, you know, we're basically a vision of light. You know, you, you look at us and you go, well, Bill, you got a black shirt on, you got dark hair and you got blue eyes and you're wearing your reading glasses and you got headphones on it. They got purple foam. You know, well, yeah, but it's all, even though I can feel them physically, it's all light. You know, so yeah, well, yeah you can. They they, they uh, can do a lot of things that they're not telling us uh, that they can do. I mean, we we just talked a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, about Maui and the possibility that uh, energy beams were used to start the fires, energy beam weapons, and people yeah. said, "What do you mean? They have them on destroyers. They have them on ships." They have these beams already installed on some of our war vehicles. I'm sure they have them on airplanes too. And, and essentially, it is a it is a light ray. It is a well, light ray. It, it's a it's it's isn't isn't a laser light activated something or other. It's 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 a light energy yeah, situation. Yeah, la uh, yeah, laser is a light and it it's intensified and it burns. Hell, your microwave puts out a signal. You, uh, you can channel that and focus that. You can make a weapon with uh, 
the magnetron that's, that's, a, that's sonic though right bill that's that is a sonic wave uh isn't that done with the magnetron that vibe yeah it's a magnetron that, that uh, you know you remember a few years ago there were all these people that were getting nauseated and sick yeah. and things like that you know and you can get i forget what kind of horn they call it that you put on the end of that thing but you can take the magnetron out and take the you know the the power supply to it and basically take it apart I could sit here on this side of the wall, and depending on the power of that thing, the people on the other side of that wall would have no idea that I'm here nuking their body, well, cooking they, their they, insides. They, they made a weapon out of it. They yeah. made a weapon out of that. Forget the improvi- improvising. They made a weapon where, for crowd control, they can point this weapon at certain people, and they start to heat up, you know, like they would if they were yeah. in a microwave. Well, you're cooking them. Yeah, exactly. Um Another question I have to ask, and nobody's talking about it anymore, it's just disappeared, is have they ever found those 2,000 unaccounted for children from the schools in Maui? Have they ever found any? They've just stopped talking about it. How about the uh, 60,000 pounds, uh, 30 tons of of, uh, uh, ammonium nitrate? Well, no, they haven't found that. And, you know, you talk about these kids. And let's go back to World War II and and uh, Hitler and uh, you know mm-hmm. they used to sit there and experiment. There's a big drug drug company now that probably benefited from that. But at the end of the war, when it was done, Hitler didn't want to be caught and treated, so he wanted to be incinerated. But uh, he didn't want his body found. But Russia and the United States and the United Kingdom, they wanted to get these scientists, these Nazis, not for what they did, but for what they learned and what they knew. You know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. So, and I say that because these kids, who's to say we're not experimenting on them? You know, I would have you said, to, about you, I would have said to you, you're crazy, uh, as recently as maybe three or four years ago. But the more you read and the more you see, the more you think, my God, there's this something happening in our world that we're not privy to. The average Joe just doesn't know about. And by the way, this is not a new phenomenon. This has been going no. on for decades. My parents were uh, oblivious to what was really happening in, the, in their surroundings. Most people were. And, and in their time, it was easier to control because you had uh, limited uh, media out there. Now we have social media. And uh, you can get anything out to anybody anywhere in a matter of seconds from your phone. Uh, yeah. But when my parents were young, you had the newspaper, radio, and later on they had TV. But it was primitive and very controlled, very limited, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I we are – it's an interesting program today. We, you know, I played that cut so the people, by the way, would just – Consider this, all right? You, yeah. you may say this is a lot of hooey, but just consider this. It won't hurt you. I have a Faraday bag. You might want to get one, Whoa. folks. You can make a Faraday box. Do you have a shoebox? Yeah, and what do you put, aluminum foil? Yeah, you take the lid off. You wrap that thing in aluminum foil, and then you do the lid, and you do the same thing. So basically it's foil. This way, electromagnetic waves, radio waves, things like that, they hit that and they reflect. They do not go through the box, uh, which is how you protect electronic devices. Let's say a, thumer, a thermonuclear device went off and, you know, sent out an EMP that takes out electronics. Like your garage. Yeah. You know, if, you were a, if you were a prepper, you know, what I would do if I were a prepper, I'd go down and buy chain link fence and I would put it up against all the walls, the roof of the thing, and I'd make it look neat and all that, but I would do it all the way around. And so when it closed, you bring your vehicle in there. If there was an EMP while you slept, you could go to your car in the garage in the morning and crank that sucker up and everybody else would be out there with dead electronics. Your watch and everything would not work. So you can take aluminum foil and you take your phone and as a matter of fact, just on a prepper note, if you are to sit there, let's say you have a big box, like a, a Xerox box, and you go ahead and wrap that thing in foil and the lid too. You put uh, 
one of those phones in it that uh, what are they the you know the the paper phones you know yeah the, the throwaway uh, phone? they're throwaways yeah yeah you put you put one of those in there you put a radio in there and you put some batteries and different things that are electronic that you maybe a walkie talkie things that you're going to need if let's say that Russia and the United States got mad at each other and flew the nukes and they sent an EMP that blew up overhead, you know, it's going to take out radios and, and whatnot and your cars and your phones and whatnot. You need communication to call loved ones. Cell towers, for the most part, I believe they're protected. They have the electronics protected inside of them. They're built into a case that protects them. I have uh, I have Faraday bags. Uh, they're easily bought on the Internet. Amazon sells them. Uh, they're essentially, like Bill said, aluminum foil bags. You just you can drop everything in these big bags and kind of crumple them up, you know, to cover them up, and and you have uh, protection of you know for the most part. And you, like Bill said, you get yourself uh, you might want to get some walkie talkies, you know, some so you you can have local communication at the very least. Because if you can't, if you don't have cell communication, if the towers are down, at twenty nine bucks, twenty nine yeah. bucks, you can go to Walmart and you can buy the. Uh, I forget what they call them. They're the GR something or other, but they're they're a different frequency than walkie-talkie, and they go a lot farther, yeah. and they have more power. And you have the batteries for them, and maybe you have a plug-in power supply. You have all the stuff that you need to run it, and you put it in that the box you get for free. That You can go to the Dollar Tree or something like that and buy you know, Bill, a couple I, of I, rolls I, of foil for a buck. I've heard that if there were an EMP, not... It's not a guarantee that all the electronics are going to be fried. You know, no. it, it's it's just that most a lot of them will be fried. You know, it's like a hit or miss thing, uh, depending upon how the wave hits where you are. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a pulse. It's an electronic pulse from the nuclear explosion. Like the the Koreans have said in the past that they could always explode a, a missile over the United States. And that would be enough to take us out as a country, which is true. In three days, if we have no communication, and that's what the thing is, you drop a nuke and we get radiated. You're going to live for a few days, and you're going to be mad because your skin's boiling. You're starting to see the effects. If you have any way of fighting back and spitting at the, the dragon, you're going to do it. So the best way to get you is to sit there and wipe out your means of survival and communication, then the panic sets in, and we self-destruct. I think they said that within one, uh, one and a half days, a good portion of the population would be dead. But within a few days' time, we would be gone. So, yeah. Hey, uh, interesting story out of uh, New York City. Uh, you know, Laura Trump has a new song out, the president's daughter-in-law, yeah. uh, Eric's wife. And she's, she, I think she's a, a, a terrific young woman. She's articulate, she's pleasant, personable, and uh, she obviously can sing. So she put this song together. It's a, it's a cover of, what's it, uh, Tom, Tom Petty's Won't Back, Won't Down. Back Down. And uh, so what happens in New York City is, is that I guess the, the Trumps or the, the family bought one of these huge electronic billboards in New York City. Uh, in, in Times Square, and mm -hmm. the company that owns the billboard... Shut it down. They po No, they posted the picture of Laura Trump on a horse, which I guess is the cover, mm -hmm. but her name and the mention of the song is removed. It's, Why? It's just because they're woke. They don't want to give them any credit for anything. So I guess, uh, I guess the Trumps are, are uh, threatening legal action. Which is, I think, their right. I mean, if they paid for an ad to be in Times Square, they didn't mm -hmm. pay to have it edited by some dweeb, you know, in uh, some mm -hmm. advertising office somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, apparently, the uh, the song is this right? It, it reached number one on Bill. No, that can't be. Maybe it did. Maybe it has. I mean, things nowadays. They move a lot quicker than they did the I'll old days. I'll see if days. I can get a copy of it and put it on the website this weekend. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting here. Song is now uh, being censored by the woke left just because she's Laura Trump. I mean, it's the song is I won't back down. I mean, it was yeah. a hit for Tom Petty. She didn't change the word. She just sings it. 
and mm. that's that's too much for some people on the uh, the woke left. Also, Mark Milley, that uh, ridiculous uh, excuse for an officer, uh, yeah, turncoat, he, yeah. He, I guess he had his uh, resignation get together yesterday at the White House, mm. and they were all talking about how wonderful he is and how great he is, and then he he got a chance to get up in front of. Uh, uh, the group, the people out there, and 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 throw in his two cents about, uh, you know, the state of the world that uh, they're in down in D.C. right now. But I want you to listen carefully to how he talks. Okay, All right. then, well, li- this is Mark Milley, former Joint Chief. To a country, we don't take an oath to a tribe. We don't take an oath to a religion. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen, or a tyrant, or a dictator. And we don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. We don't take an oath to an individual. We take an oath to the Constitution, and we take an oath to the idea that it's America, and we're willing to die to protect it. Every soldier, sailor, airman, marine, guardian, and coast guardsman, each of us commits our very life to protect and defend that document, regardless a personal price. Guy's amazing. I mean, this is the same guy who literally, uh, he he was the guy who's one of the strategists behind the Afghan surrender. This is also the guy who called the Chinese and warned them that uh, if we were about to attack him, he'd make sure to give him a call and give him a heads up first. Right. The guy's, the guy, that by itself is treason. It's treason. You know, it's funny. We don't. Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't bow down to a tribe or uh, pledge allegiance to a tribe, or whatever else he said. These are all actually th- that has nothing to do with Trump. That's actually Democrat words. You know, it only takes a village. It takes a tribe. We're all part of our own tribe. He's alienating himself. He's on his own island, and you know, it is. Um, he's got his military thing in his head that they, you know, they, it, it, he wants people to bow down to him is what he wants. He thinks he's the, he, he thinks he's the head banana. Well, you know, he, that, that wannabe dictator was, uh, a jab at, no, it was a jab at Trump. Jab at Trump. Yeah, I know. But he's a, he's a wannabe dictator because he's sitting there trying to. Well, in the, in the meantime, these guys are, are sipping champagne and eating lobster hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that at the White House. paid for. And I want you to think about this. Under his command as the head of the military, essentially, Joint Chief, uh, we have got situations now where our recruits are living in barracks that are filled with raw sewage and black mold. Now, I I can tell you this much. I'm going to play the the report in a second, but uh, when I was in the military, not that my my little moment in, in the military... Um, I can remember at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, when I went to basic training, we were in these barracks and the barracks were, they were, they were two floors. They had, uh, a, a sergeant, a drill sergeant who lived there. He was like the head of the barracks to make sure he, the guys kept, uh, order and everything was neat and clean. And, but the buildings had a number on the side of them. They said T-12. T-7, T, you know, and the T stood for temporary because they were built in 1940 or 41 and they were only supposed to stand for five years. So I was there in 1968 or and nine. they're still there. And they were still being used. The thing is, the difference is when I was there, the floors were waxed to a, to a, a glean. The bathrooms were constantly being cleaned. The floors, the tiles in the bathroom were scrubbed. I mean, it was part of the punishment to make sure that the uh, recruits were in there cleaning the toilets. Pardon my, I don't mean to, but that's what. So when I hear that these newer barracks, barracks they're living in right now have got mold in them and they've got sewage backing up, that says to me that somewhere along the line, when they started to add sneakers to basic training, seriously, when I was in, when I was running in basic training, we ran in combat boots. Yeah, we got 
blisters. We got all these sores sometimes because you were wearing uncomfortable combat boots, but that's what you ran in. And then along the line, back in the 80s or so, when we started to become more woke, we started to give the trainee um, running shoes, you know, like uh, Skechers or, you know, uh, Adidas. Or, on the battlefield. And we, but the point is we started to be more touchy-feely, you know, considerate of their... But we also fell down on th- doing things like cleaning. I mean, cleaning the mold. You would think the first thing that somebody would have caught was black mold in the, in the restroom. And that, yeah. that was making guys sick. So I, I'm going to play this report. It's uh, a little long, but right. uh, it's uh, it's worth listening to. Listen. Listen to this. Uh, Raw sewage, mold, bed bugs, cockroaches, all descriptors of the deplorable conditions some of our servicemen and women are dealing with while living at the barracks around the nation. A 100-page report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office details the serious health and safety risks facing our military troops, the filthy conditions impacting both their physical as well as their mental health, contributing to hospitalization, substance abuse, thoughts of suicide. Let's bring in Steve Bannon, a war veteran and a reporter for military.com who looked into this topic. First of all, Steve, thank you so much for being with us. You are a veteran. Did you have to deal with any of this while you served? Of course, and that's not necessarily unique to a lot of service members in this country. Uh, the military, frankly, doesn't put a lot of revenue into their uh, quality of life situation, the living quarters for junior uh, service members. And frankly, for years, it's been talked up to uh, tough it up. And uh, the governments get more involved, the press get more involved, and soldiers are more frequently bringing attention to this issue on social media. Yeah, you know, and living in, you know, conditions that aren't luxury is one thing, but living in you know deplorable conditions certainly something else so disturbing in your reporting steve is there something that really stood out to you as being the worst and maybe not even from your reporting from your own lived experience what stood out to me is soldiers that have talked to me that have actually been admitted to the hospital after breathing in black mold for so long. This is particularly uh, happening at Fort Stewart, Georgia, and Fort Liberty, North Carolina. The, these bases where, that are in very humid conditions. Uh, in a lot of situations, these barracks aren't very well ventilated. They're they're old. Their air conditioning units leak. Uh, maintenance workers don't get to resolve these issues uh, very quickly. And in a lot of situations, when mold is discovered, it's just painted over. Um, and you got these uh, young people coming in the military and they just they don't really have a lot of avenues uh, to advocate for themselves. And that, that's the most difficult part in most of these situations. Absolutely. And, and even if they do many times feel that they shouldn't speak up and say something. Uh, Steve, so on top of these conditions, as I was reading this reporting, something that stood out to me, uh, squatters. Talk about the squatters who are apparently moving into some barracks just because the security is so lax or it's faulty or it's broken, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you get into these weird situations that it's not a, I, I don't want to give the uh, perspective that this is happening everywhere all the time, uh, but it does happen where soldiers are removed from the military or it's their time to go. And for one reason or another, they they stick around and they're not discovered for a while. There, there's a lot of issues with barracks managers and keeping account of rooms and who is in what. And uh, if someone is removed from the military and they don't want to leave, it's not the hardest thing in the world to find a room and, and stick around. Uh, if you've got a, a military haircut and you don't make a lot of noise or anything, not a lot of people are necessarily asking questions. Yeah. And okay. So we say that this all stems from a U.S. government accountability office report. Steve, do we know why this mm-hmm. is not being addressed? Where is the buck supposed to stop and why mm-hmm. is it not stopping? Why is this not being fixed? At the end of the day, so you do have some senior military leaders that do bring this issue up. Uh, Sergeant Major of the Army, Grinston, the top enlisted leader for that service, talked about this frequently and not just, hey, this is bad for service members, but this goes on to other issues, health issues, morale issues, and that goes into how we fight and how well we can fight future wars. Uh, But the buck, frankly, stops in Congress. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of uh, high-profile instances of lawmakers bringing any bills to the table of boosting quality of life issues. We, uh, Congress talks a lot about uh, weapons 
offense acquisition and training, all those things are very important, but there, there hasn't been a, a point person on this issue when it comes to boosting quality of life for our youngest and most vulnerable service members. Yeah, we need our lawmakers to certainly listen up on this one. All right, Steve, really mm -hmm. quickly, we know most things come down to money. Is there a specific reason given on why these funds, which we can see are needed, mm -hmm. they certainly seem to be, why they have not been allocated? I think it's very difficult for service members to advocate for themselves. The, now, the service members living in these conditions, they're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. They don't necessarily know how to talk to Congress. They don't have any organizational ability. And, and frankly, their chain of command tells them to, you know, uh, just, just put up with it. They don't know the tools uh, in their belt to necessarily go go after this. Uh, so other than going to the press, raises on social media, I, I frankly don't, haven't seen a lot of evidence that lawmakers are even aware of this issue. So yeah. uh, co coverage of this in the press, stuff like this in the GAO report is what those service members need to sort of get the ball rolling on that issue. Absolutely. Hopefully we can spark some change here. Steve Bainan, mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. That's a uh, report from News Nation. And uh, the guy's name was Steve Benyon. I don't want it to be confused with Steve Bannon. And he, he was apparently a veteran. And she asked him, well, was it like it? Was it like this when you were in the service? And he said, well, yeah, kind of. And I was thinking it's because this guy, Steve Benyon, that was just being interviewed, is probably in his uh, early 30s. So he's mm. he can't be too many years out of the military. But I can tell you when I was in, and I was, like I said, 1968 or 69, um, it was different. It, 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 yeah, we didn't have uh, brand new buildings. His building, they talked about, oh, the air conditioning units probably were kind of faulty. When I was in the service, there were no air conditioning units at all in the temporary barracks. They would roll the windows up, and that's about it. You know, maybe you got a, a nice breeze. But um, his units were probably the more recent ones, the the more the, the brick-built barracks, almost like a college dorm. Right. And uh, they should have been hey. really maintained. But uh, I guess I guess you know they, they keep rotating people in and out of those barracks every eight weeks or so, and uh, it's it's hard hard to do that. Uh, well, you know, it's the caliber of people that we're putting through there too that we're getting. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, that is a very good point. So you know, <clears throat> you know, we talk about we have a big military, but we have a big military of what? Um, and you know, I'm not trying to put down people, but. Um, you can. I mean, you may not. You may not come from means. You may not have the best abode in all the world, but you keep it clean. You yeah, know, and yeah, as clean as you can, anyway. So, um, yep. And and but there's you know the, some of that comes from the top. You know the the leadership from on top. You know if they don't care, then you why know, should I care? And if it, I don't care, who else cares? And in the meantime, we're giving billions and billions of dollars to the Ukraine for their military. And our military is getting black, you know, mold in their in their lungs. But it's not really. It's going to the military per se, but it's not going to fight the war. See, that's the interesting thing. Yeah. I was reading an article, and I don't have all the stuff in front of me because I didn't know I was going to talk about it. But the point is, is that the money is going 180 degrees the other direction than to what it should be going to. So what the hell's going on? We're we're giving money. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, uh, Russia going into, uh, you know, do what they're doing in the Ukraine is a good thing. But then again, too, Vladimir has his point, you know, and, and the Ukraine is a pawn. They're, and that's all it is for us. We have something to gain from this. And, and Vladimir knows it, too, you know, Putin. And uh, this is, yeah. we, we shouldn't be spending money there at all this is now another vietnam and it's only for certain people with uh, that are going to fatten their po uh, pockets and get more political power yeah and i agree i 100 percent. i i think there's uh, uh we shouldn't be there okay we shouldn't be there i know there's a lot of people think well we're helping these people fight for their freedom and their democracy but uh it, they're being thrown into a meat grinder the, these young men, it's not the flag-waving patriotic action that we're being sold. Literally, they're losing 1,000 soldiers a week. I mean, we're at a rate of losing 100,000 soldiers since the war started. That's as many as we lost in World War I. I, I, I mean, this is, it's, they're calling it a meat grinder. 
and and they're getting a, they're having a hard time getting young men in the Ukraine to join the military right now because they see what's happening and they don't want to be a part of it. And the Ukraine government is telling NATO countries, if you see military-aged men in your country, send them back because yeah. we need them in the military. Yeah. Well, you know who's in the news now, and we talked about part of this story, and that's uh, the Brunson brothers. We haven't heard about that, and now, you know who's talking to the Brunson brothers and doing a three-part, or I get maybe it's a multi-part series, but yeah, I, I haven't heard the first part, but uh, my wife did, and she said that it was it was really interesting, informative, but it, it doesn't lead to any anything really new. I guess that's going to be in the in the next segment or two. You hope, anyway, because, you know, the Brunson brothers who we're talking about, and, you know, they, they're they the ones that, that had the thing that went to the Supreme Court that could have done something, but just wasn't enough for them to make a decision to do anything. And you got to wonder, though, you know, with all this stuff, there's so much evidence against Biden, but the Democrats are going, where's the proof? Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Oh, well, go ahead and do it. Impeach him. Impeach him. Well, you know, something- but, but there's more... Bill, something's going on. Uh, you, you know, you talk about the, the Brunson brothers and, and their multiple uh, the issues that they brought in front of the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, the, the mere fact that they've had the opportunity to do not one, but at least two different presentations to the Supreme Court says they're kind of, yeah. they're working with something that, that interests the court. Uh, and there's maybe some value here. And we we didn't mention that uh, the person who was doing the interview was Laura Logan, yeah, and it's on Twitter or X, I guess is what they call it now, and you can see it at your leisure whenever you want to, um, and you know, I, 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 I there was another story that caught my interest, but it relates the Federal Reserve Bank in Washington D.C., big mm-hmm. big big government building, oh, right? Yeah. Right. They've covered it with. Like canvas, the whole building is covered with can canvas. Why? And then it's surrounded by high uh, temporary walls. You mm. can't see it from the sidewalk anymore. The whole building has been shrouded in secrecy. I it, this is now they may be saying they're doing some construction or they're working on the facade, well. but you know you can do that without covering it in canvas, and you can do it without hiding it behind walls. Well, what's in the Federal Reserve? What's let's the, let's the, identify that first. Yeah, the Federal Reserve Bank is the independent, it, I know it sounds like it's part of the federal government, the independent uh, financial institution in Washington, D.C. that essentially holds all of our currency. Okay, so it holds all the currency. There, the, the gold is not there, but the currency is there. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, theoretically, you're making changes in their home improvements, you know, or you're you're retooling the system. Well, what are you doing? You're putting new printing presses in to print the money, or are we putting computers in supercomputers that we're getting ready to? You know, I mean, uh, you know, Bill. If you saw this building, this building is the size of oh, I know most hi- most high schools. Uh, no, it's bigger than most high schools, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they've completely covered it in canvas. I mean, it's it's just completely. I'm thinking, if you work in that building, you can't see daylight anymore because you're covered up. You know, I don't know why they would do that. I mean, if they were going to work on the building, they could do it without covering in canvas. Uh, it, it's well, uh, it depends on what they're doing inside of there. Do you, you yeah. know that they don't want you to see or know about because you know you can't hide your lying eyes. Hey, uh, so. We we talked about Guantanamo, right? What they're doing in Guantanamo, they're telling you. That they're going to cut back on Guantanamo and hopefully close it down. That's what the administration is saying. But in the meantime, uh, Catherine Herridge did a report where she's standing in front of Guantanamo, and right behind her, they're doing this massive construction job. They're adding a new courtroom and multiple uh, new cell units, and there's something going. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, or they just aren't being honest with us. Do the Democrats know what's going on? I do not know. Hey, Bill, did you hear about uh, Hillary Clinton? She won an Emmy. Oh, really? Yeah, Hillary Clinton and her daughter Chelsea were the executive producers of the Netflix documentary In Her Hands, a film about the youngest female mayor in the history of Afghanistan. 
And, uh, and did you? Did yeah. anybody see this show? No, but you know, I'm thinking to myself, did Hillary even see the outtakes of this thing? I mean, would, did she go over to Afghanistan as executive producer, and uh, did she supervise the production? I don't think so. Well, you know, uh, you know who else got an Emmy? Who? Barack Obama. Well, see, they're just handing them out like uh, like candy, aren't they? Yeah, for his work on something for the History Channel, it was like a nature thing, where yeah, uh, my liberal friend that likes, well, Barack got an Emmy. I'm like sitting there going, you stupid hey. bastard. You know, you represent the media, and you know what the best can sound like, and you know what the worst can sound like, and. Barack was nowhere in the middle of any of that. He was on the underside of this. Hey, bridge. they gave they gave uh, Cuomo. He sucked. They gave Cuomo, uh, the former governor of New York, who uh, resigned in disgrace, Andrew Cuomo. They gave him an Emmy. Do you remember during the? Uh, they gave him an Emmy for his press conferences during COVID, and it was a big deal. Oh my God! They're giving Andrew Cuomo an Emmy for his press conferences. My God! It's because. He's such an articulate and well-spoken communicator, and he really had a, a mastery of the medium. So we'll give him an Emmy. What that does, folks, the left doesn't realize that, but doing political nonsense like this diminishes the value of the Emmy. When I was, oh, yeah. a, when I was a, a young guy in broadcasting, Emmys were like really important stuff. You got an Emmy, you did something right. If you can throw them around at Hillary and Cuomo and all these different people like their candy, Barack gets one, uh, forget it. They're, they're useless. They're, they're yeah. worth nothing. Paperweights. You, you've gotten some awards. And, yeah, and I got a, I got a, I'm looking right now. I got a ton of what they call telly awards. They right. haven't, as far as I know, they haven't handed any telly awards out uh, <laughs> to Andrew Cuomo or uh, Hillary Clinton. I got mine for when I was producing TV commercials. But I yeah. had to. I had to actually get behind the camera and do some direction. You know, I mean, it was a whole different yeah. ball of wax. I had to See, actually be part of the production. Also, Bill, do you know what else happened yesterday? What? Well, maybe it was the day before yesterday. You know, uh, Dana Perino. Yeah, she was President Bush's press secretary. She was mm -hmm. quote. She sells herself as being a moderate to conservative, but but basically, she tries to sell herself as being a conservative. Uh, she's on The View, not The View, she's on uh, The Five on yeah. Fox, which is, by the way, their highest rated TV program now. Well, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, I think it was the day before yesterday, she was at the Clinton uh, Clinton Foundation Initiative, I think, you know, whatever they call that thing. The, Clint right. the Clinton, I, I should have it somewhere here, but I can't find it now. But she, there was some fundraising event, right, for, for Hillary Clinton. And the MC who introduced Hillary Clinton, who gave this little unctuous introduction, was Dana Perino. Listen. Of our organization with somebody that you're here to see, the amazing Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. And out she walks, Hillary Rodham Clinton. And they... Shake hands intently. They didn't embrace, which is a good thing, actually. Uh, yeah. But I'm thinking to myself, we don't know these friggin' people. We don't know these people. You know, you, you see people that you, you, you think, okay, they're on our side because they were the press secretary for Bush, who was a Republican, who, as I've learned as I've gotten older, wasn't really on our side either, so maybe no. it, maybe it fits that he was uh, that she's the way she is. But you know what gets me out of this whole thing is she doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that she's she's uh, playing on the opposition's field, so to speak, and she feels comfortable over there. She's introducing that amazing person, Hillary Clinton. You know, the, the fact that she took uh, hammers to her uh, hard drives and. Bitch bleached uh, all these different, uh, you know. Uh, bitch bleached? <laughs> beach, beach bleached. Well, you know what I'm calling it. <laughs> you, you know. Well, I kind of like bitch bleached, you know. That's, that's what, nice. What, what is it called? It's called bleach bit. Bleach, bleach bit. bit, yeah. Yes. Bitch bleach. Did, uh, I, say, that, well, did I say that? Yeah, you did. You it was unintentional, that, I, no, folks. No, you know, leave it alone. That's perfect because, you know, it's what, it's what comes to mind when I'm I think old. of Hillary. Be nice to me. <laughs> anyway, my friend, uh, you know, we, we've done it again, you know. 
You know, what did we do? Well, we we always say that the uh, weekend update program is going to be shorter because, well, it's the weekend and, and we're halfway done. We're we're at fifty nine minutes right now, and oh. we're, we're approaching the sixty minute mark. So we have right, essentially all this in the trash. Then I mean, well, talk save about? it for Monday. Um, yeah, no, there'd be all kinds of new stuff then. That's true. Hey, if you want to reach us, our phone number is eight three three five three eight seven eight six eight eight three three. Five three eight seven eight six eight. Mail at it's another day.com. There's uh, mail at Jim and Bill.com and Jim and Bill at Mel.com. Boy, that sounds like a song. That's a lot of stuff there, isn't it? Holy smokes, yeah. Little, anything planned for the weekend? Are you going to do anything uh, special? Are you going to uh, party hardy, as they would say? Are you going to relax? Party hardy. Yeah. No, no. I'm working on you know a project that I'm working on, and that's that's a whole different thing. I mowed the lawn yesterday, so that's done. That's behind me, thank yeah. goodness. So I may just... Uh, I, Lie around and you know act like an old guy. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Fall, I'm going to do some laundry. Fall asleep do some in the chair. Out. Yeah, fall yeah. asleep in the chair. You good at that? I get, Yeah, I, I do that quite uh, <laughs> often and quite well. I'm going to do the pee wee football thing tomorrow before I blow out of town. But I yes. will be here Monday. Yes. Um, because because he's a responsible human being. <laughs> I am. Oh, who lied to you? Sir? Oh, you know what he does so well every single show. Without fail, he does this. Hasta la vista, baby! We're out of here. Johnny Reese is a major league pitcher who always had a talent for striking people out. Teams fell over themselves trying to recruit the young man with the menacing fastball. But baseball isn't his only talent. He's also a major league Hitman, a contract killer who likes his work. Reese does more than strike opponents out. He eliminates them all together. Retired New York City detective Jack Kane has come to Pittsburgh to find a killer and squeeze play by Jim Harrington is the story about what happens when these two alpha males meet and go head to head. It's a great weekend read. Squeeze play. From Dover and Blackstone Media, LLC. It's available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and many other great online book sites. Or visit It'sAnotherDay.com and click on our link at the top of the page. When it comes to mysteries and a great read, Squeeze Play is a grand slam.